I might be arrested. If I ever go back, that is. A law was passed. Break it, you might find yourself jailed in Hong Kong. Strict regulations as tensions between the city and the mainland continue to escalate. Freedom of speech? China has imposed a national security law that has wide, you might say, audacious reach. Anyone who criticizes China is liable to arrest. And that's not just in Hong Kong. Anyone in the world. Chinese students in foreign universities are now afraid of accidentally saying something that bars them from returning home. Institutions the world over trying to deal with this overwhelming censorship. The Chinese government hates criticism. Could I be arrested on my next visit? Jehovah is king, but the psalmists never shrink from expressing exactly how they feel. Where are you? Don't you care? Yes, he does. Enough to let us vent. Enough to die for us. In Christ's love, we're fully known, fully accepted. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. Yesterday, we recalled the 102nd anniversary of the end of World War I. Even more importantly, we looked at how the Lord used that great war to forge a friendship between two giants, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Though both of these men were professors and scholars in their own right, they're most known throughout the world as the creators of the fantasy worlds of Narnia and Middle-earth. But did you know they both fought in World War I? and it had a profound effect on their lives. Tolkien says explicitly that his Sam Gamgee, the quintessential hobbit, one of the most beloved figures in, in modern fiction, that hobbit is based on the ordinary English soldier that he knew in the trenches. Historian Joseph Leconte, author of A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, talking about the influence World War I had on the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien. Coming up in a moment... We're going to be joined again by Professor LeConte, and he's going to share with us how the horrors of this great war influenced their writing. And then we'll see how these two men both ended up pointing to Jesus through epic stories. Before we get to that, I'd like you to have a copy of Joseph LeConte's epic book, a New York Times bestseller, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. The book shows how Lewis and Tolkien both fought in the trenches of World War I and how the darkness and despair they saw helped to shape their faith in Christ. After reading or listening to A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, you'll be reminded that no matter how dark things might appear, Christ Jesus is the light who breaks through the darkness even today. Call us after the program at 800 654 Thirty-six, eight hundred sixty-five Haven. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry, and ask for either the audio book or the printed copy, or visit our website, watch the book trailer, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And don't forget, we still have the first season of the Chosen TV show, the story of Jesus from the perspective of those around him. This. Double DVD with all eight episodes of season one will be a blessing in your life. Ask about it when you call or watch that trailer there at our website, 
haventoday.org. And now let's open the program with Shane and Shane.
Worship Initiative from Shane and Shane. A song called Great Things here on this haven today. A hobbit, a wardrobe, and a great war. I'm Charles Morris. In a world saturated by comic book movies, it's hard to know how to define what a hero is anymore. A hero isn't someone with special powers. Being a hero has more to do with a disposition. It's about the willingness to do the right thing, even when it's difficult to do, even when it's dangerous. C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien have much to teach us about heroism. On the western front of Europe in World War I, they witnessed firsthand the heroism of ordinary people rising to the challenge. Many of the western nations who engaged in World War I saw themselves as waging a holy war. For England, in particular, love of nation and love of God had become virtually one and the same. So those who were sent to the trenches were told they were going off to do God's work. Lewis and Tolkien and many of the common soldiers who shared those trenches recognized that their battle was far from holy. Perhaps they were fighting to defend a noble way of life, but certainly many thought they were defending the city of God. Out of that war, the writings of these two great authors became filled with images of warfare. The Great War had been anything but holy, but it did turn countless people into heroes. That's something Lewis and Tolkien never forgot. I asked Dr. Joseph Leconte to explain this a little more to us today. It, it strikes me as the historian and then someone reading the works of Tolkien and Lewis, uh, and Lewis pretty closely that they really imported some of the images of war, of, of combat in France, I think, directly into their works. So if you take, for example, in, in The Lord of the Rings, when Sam and Frodo are approaching Mordor, uh, the dead marshes, the, 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 the graphic, horrible description of the dead marshes and the, the dead bodies floating in the marshes. Well, you know what that was? If you talk to historians, you read historians like uh, Martin Gilbert, who wrote a definitive book uh, about the Battle of yes. the Somme, where, where Tolkien fought. <laughs> it's an exact description of what the soldiers in the First World War would have experienced. The, the mortars create these mm. huge craters, the craters filled with water. Men fall into those craters, and they perish, and their bodies are left there days, sometimes weeks on end, and you just discover them. And then Tolkien literally says uh, in a letter to one of his friends, yeah, the, the, the approach to mortar, that owes something to my time in France at the Somme. So there's no way these men could have forgotten some of those images. I'm, per I'm fully persuaded they worked them uh, in into both their works. Joe, th what you've just said is so significant, so important. Can you elaborate a little bit more for us as we're pondering this great war? Yeah, I've given you, Charles, I've given you a negative example on that. Let me give you a positive example also from Tolkien for a moment. We all probably wonder this incredible character he's created, The Hobbit. And where did he get his idea for The Hobbit? Well... Tolkien says explicitly that his Sam Gamgee, the quintessential hobbit, one of the most beloved figures in, in modern fiction, that hobbit is based on the ordinary English soldier that he knew in the trenches, who he said was so far superior to himself in his courage, in his discipline, uh, in his fortitude. The, the, the hobbit is based on the ordinary English soldier doing his duty there mm. on the Western Front. Mm. When I first learned that, it just, bl it just blew my mind away that uh, Tolkien could be so impressed by these men that he fought alongside that it really inspired his literary imagination. It helped him to hang on to the idea of heroism when so many men in his generation in the post-war years had given up on heroism, but Tolkien won't. 
And that to me is just profoundly important. He doesn't become a cynic, and part of the reason he doesn't is he remembers uh, the great sacrifice of those British soldiers that he fought alongside. He lost most of his best friends in, in the First World War, and, and that was a lifelong sadness to him. But by the grace of God and the use of his imagination, boy, he doesn't give up on heroism at all, and he gives it a, a, a real Christian texture and Christian theme. Greatly encouraging story to me. That's Joseph Leconte talking about his book, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. I'm Charles Morris. I so appreciate how he described the way Tolkien and Lewis depicted heroism in their stories. He said they gave heroism a Christian texture. That's something you and I should think more deeply about. In the epic novels that both authors wrote, we see this time and again. Faramir is a character in The Lord of the Rings. He's the captain of Gondor, the great white city. In the third installment of the books, The Return of the King, Gondor is facing a great threat. Huge armies from Mordor are coming against his city. The leader of the city has given up hope. Only his son, Faramir, is willing to take a stand and rides out with his men. All of them fall in the battle, and Faramir himself receives a near-fatal wound. In this, might I say, noble character, Tolkien gives us a glimpse of heroism. And it doesn't take much imagination to recognize the Christian texture that Dr. Lucanti mentioned. It's not a one-to-one parallel, of course, but Faramir's actions embody the virtue of Christian love. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus told us, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The Apostle Paul told us in Philippians to look out for the interests of those above your own. When those virtues are united acts of courage, we get to see Christian heroism. Think of that character Peter in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's the eldest of the four children. Aslan gave him a sword and warned him he must be prepared to use it. Lewis didn't give us a character who was hardened and cynical. Peter was flat-out terrified. And C.S. Lewis wrote, Peter did not feel very brave. Indeed, he felt he was going to be sick. But that made no difference to what he had to do. He rushed straight up to the monster and aimed a slash of sword at its side. What Lewis teaches us here and in so many other moments in his books is that heroism isn't necessarily a feeling. It's a disposition. And it takes on a Christian layer when it's specifically in obedience to God's holy word. That should be an encouragement to you and me today. Most of us on this program today enjoy all kinds of rights and privileges, but not everyone in the world does, and it only takes a generation for rights to be trampled upon. As Christians, our hope isn't in the state of things in this world, Paul telling us plainly to set our hearts and minds on things above, where Christ is, seated at God's right hand. I asked Dr. Joseph Leconte, about these very ideas. And here's what he had to say. There are always have been threats to human freedom. Uh, there are in our day now. We can, we can name some of them. But certainly in the time in which uh, Lewis and Tolkien lived, be- between the great wars, think, think about what's happening, the rise of these totalitarian ideologies, fascism and communism, eugenics, scientism, all these threats to human freedom and human dignity are, on the, are right there. They have a ringside seat to it in Europe. And I, I'm convinced what they did deliberately in their books was to reaffirm the, the dignity, the worth of every human soul. I mean, just think about their stories. 
the creatures, every uh, animal in Narnia, the creatures in the Lord of the Rings, the various races, they're all caught up in this great contest between good and evil, and their souls are going to be shaped by which side they choose and what they decide to do once they make that choice. Are they going to be faithful to the cause? That, to me, is profoundly important because in the years after the First World War, one of the recurring motifs in literature was, you know, the individual has no power. The individual is demolished, destroyed uh, in the First World War. And so we're just victims of our circumstance, victims of historical change, of economics, of power structures, of race. And Lewis and Tolkien are pushing back against all of these dehumanizing ideologies and insisting upon the image of God in men and women has not been obliterated. It matters supremely. Our moral choices matter. We live in a moral universe. So the dignity of choice uh, that each of their uh, individuals, their creatures, their characters have, and of course the goal is to preserve human freedom against these great threats to freedom, the totalitarian impulse. It's, it reigns in Mordor, the totalitarian threat, uh, mm-hmm. with Sauron, mm-hmm. and of course in the Chronicles of Narnia with the White Witch, where it's, it's always winter and yes. never Christmas. They're pushing back against these totalitarian threats deliberately in their writing, and they're affirming the God-given dignity and freedom of the human person, every soul under heaven. Boy, we need that message today, don't we? We certainly do. Now, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. We're awaiting the Lord's return. Is there hope for us today in this world apart from Christ? Well, that's got to be one of the most profound questions we can ask, Charles. Is there hope in the world apart from Christ? You know, I think both Tolkien and Lewis would say, apart from the grace of Christ, apart from the fact that he's coming to redeem everything. As I think Sam put it in The Lord of the Rings, the question he asks, is everything sad going to come untrue? Mm. And the answer for the Christian, mm. of course, is yes. Everything sad is going to come mm. untrue when the king returns. So that's the, ba- that's the only basis for hope. That's the deepest basis for hope uh, of the human story, that there will be a, a redemption, a final restoration, and a reclaiming uh, of, of human life. But by the grace of Christ. But apart from that, if we just think about how the world plays out naturally in our fallenness, think about the 20th century. Solzhenitsyn called it the caveman century. The most advanced, Mm. civilized Christian nations of Europe went to war twice uh, in its Mm. devastating conflicts. That's human nature left unchecked, unredeemed, isn't it? And that's why we need the story of grace and redemption that that both these men, Tolkien and Lewis, have given us. Dr. Joseph Leconte reminding us of the hope and grace that Tolkien and Lewis shared with us in their fantasy books. These giants of the literary world in the 20th century, they knew that the truest battle being waged is a spiritual battle. Yes, we may face times of conflict in this life, and heroism does still take the form of bravery on the battlefield. That's why Veterans Day and Remembrance Day are still important for us to remember. But we're citizens of another kingdom, another realm, like passing through the wardrobe into the drama taking place in Narnia. We've passed out of the dominion of darkness. We've been transferred into the kingdom of Christ. And this is the battle we wage every day, not with weapons of war, but with the spirit and the word, Christian heroism so often looks like remaining steadfast in the truth of God's word when our deceitful hearts say something different. It means obeying the commandments of Scripture when Satan tempts us to throw it all away, 
It means loving our neighbors. When the world says your neighbor is really your enemy, that is true strength. We not only must be brave and strong as believers, we can be strong. We've been united in Christ, and in him the last battle has already been won. By his death, hell was vanquished. Through his weakness, Satan was crushed. And by faith in him, even world-weary believers like you and me can become heroes.
Written by Martin Luther in 1529, a great hymn of the faith reminding us that God is our mighty fortress. Oh, that we would run and turn to him for protection and encouragement. I'm Charles Morris here on this Haven Today. A hobbit, a wardrobe, and a great war. The Bible teaches that God can take the bad things and use them for the good of his people. And if it were not for the great war, we may have never met a hobbit or seen a wardrobe. My wife Janet first read Joseph LeConte's New York Times bestseller. Every night for a couple of weeks, she would read great passages from this book and share them with me. Joe does a great job connecting the real-life events that Tolkien and Lewis faced and shows how the Great War, as well as the great pandemic that followed, grew their faith and their creativity. My prayer is that this book, the audio version or the printed book, will grow your faith in these challenging times. Would you call us right now? Would you ask for a hobbit, a wardrobe, or a great book? The number you can call right now for the audio or the printed version is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or find out more by going to our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And not to forget, we still have the first season of The Chosen, all eight episodes on a pair of DVDs for your minimum gift. Christmas is not too far away. This might make a great gift for someone you love. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Jesus often preached to enormous crowds, thousands upon thousands. And yet, when he died, there were only 120 true followers. Eleven of those were apostles. Not exactly a megachurch. How could so few start a movement that could bring the gospel to the whole world? Well, Jesus knew what he was doing. His final words of instruction were these, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And the model Jesus left was for disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's the exponential intention of the Great Commission. And if you and I are going to make disciples, we have to be disciples ourselves, which means a daily walk with Jesus. Get started with Anchor Devotional at GetAnchor.com.